Remember we pricked our fingers, took a blood oath? Damn, what's that next to your signature? That's, that's not blood. It was earwax. Oh. I was afraid of needles. Should we check out the priceless yeah. treasures of our youth? C-3PO. <laughs> I wonder who put that in. Let me see that. That's a collectible now. Yeah, right. My Brian Bosworth rookie card. The boss. Man, I thought he was going to be the greatest ever. I've been yeah. in that box a very long time. Well, you're free now. <laughs> and Tom, I believe this is your contribution. Oh, oh my God. Just my first rubber. Boy. I found this in my dad's pickup right before he went to jail. <laughs> well, I remember he caught me with it. Boy, he smacked me right in the head. What a charming father and son tale. He's funny. Hey, what did Billy put in there? Yeah, what does he got? Um, his indie compass. I gave this to him before he took off on his trip. He must have, I don't know, he must have put it back. Look at this, it's one of our mixtapes. Remember we did the, the DJ intros? Yeah, let's not Wang Chung tonight. Burn wow. that. You guys, check out this map. Oh, looks like Billy wow. left us a treasure map. Oh, look at that. Not only that. This map looks new. He plotted out the whole trip. Billy thought DB landed right here. There's no way he did this as a kid. He must have been adding to the box over the years. This is the camping trip he wanted us to take last summer. I, I couldn't go. I was detained in Mexico. And he wouldn't do it unless we were all together. I swear to God, I think he figured it out. I mean, look, look at all this research. He reconstructed the jump. He pinpointed DB's landing. That's crazy. I'm sorry, you guys. We made an oak. It all goes back in the box. It all goes back in the box until we find the treasure. So let's go find it. Welcome back to Conspiracy Club. I'm Tom. You know, we enter ourselves at the beginning of every episode, but you think that it's just very many people's first episode they've ever listened? Oh, I'm Emir. I uh, don't know if that was what you were saying. No, it wasn't. I just think we always int introduce ourselves, but like, this is our... 900th episode. Yeah, I think so. We've been going for about a century now, so... Okay. Uh, so it's weird that we introduce ourselves every time. Anyways. Well, yeah, because you want them to know who you are. I might have changed since last week. Mm. As a person, I grew. Emotionally, I don't know about that. You're right. Yeah. So this week we're doing part two of DB Cooper, the second and final part. Daniel. Daniel Boone What's Cooper. Daniel for you. Daniel Boone. Nope. Dick What's that guy part? in the woods? Davy Crockett. Yeah. Isn't Daniel Boone a? Wasn't he a person too? Davy Crockpot. I think he was. Yep. Um. So we're doing. Uh, the flip of the wrist. Just get it. Yep. Um. So the first episode we talked about kind of what happened and the investigation of what yeah, we talked about. how he about. got out of the plane, how he got in the plane with a bike. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I, I can't believe that I made that typo. I'm just saying. I wanted to. You made me, when I looked at that, I was like, did he really get on the plane with a bike? Because <laughs> you know, pre-9-11, they were letting people get on planes. With the thing is, I couldn't delete it because somebody already drew attention to it. And I was like, wow, I can't believe I made that typo. That's a bad one. Yeah. He got in the plane with a bomb. Might have been a bike bomb. Wasn't. Probably was a bike. It wasn't. It was a bomb. He got in the plane with a bomb. He jumps out. 
uh, and he's never seen again. There's been almost no evidence found. They found some money from, from the ransom, some ransom money, but it kind of there's some mystique, I guess, surrounding that. And they found a plaque, a placard um, about how to open the stairs that he jumped out of on the plane. We didn't talk about suspects. We talked about their investigation, how it fizzled out, and the, uh, basically what happened. And this this episode, we're going to talk about the suspects. Yep, yep, yep. And so I'm going to hit you with them. Oh, you're going to hit me. I am going to assault you after this. You all right? <laughs> oh, I thought you were having a stroke over there. Um. So do you want to do something that we we did a while ago um, where you just... Give me a give me a rating under some tinfoil hats about how oh, how likely you think shit. these ones are as we go through them. You want a, 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 a one out of five tinfoil hats? Yeah. Do you want to do that? Yeah, dude. I'll tinfoil there's, there's hat. A, there's a handful. I'm I, down. I, I want to say there's like seven. Oh, and there's probably like more than that. Ten. I'm always down so for a good tinfoil head. Head. Hat. Okay, so this is what we know. We know that DB Cooper was not who it really who he really was. That was a name that kind of caught on. He just identified himself when he bought the ticket as Dan Cooper, but that was likely an alias. Yeah. So let's talk about the suspects. The first one we're going to talk about is this guy named Kenneth Christensen. I don't like that. In 2003, Lyle Christensen of Minnesota was watching a documentary about the hijacking and was totally convinced that his brother Kenneth was Dan Cooper. What? He attempted to contact the FBI to no luck. How do you even come up with that? And Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. So his brother's a snitch? Would you snitch on your brother? No, I'd be like, where's that money, dude? Yeah, like, what the fuck? He's like, I think it was my brother, Kenneth. And I need to call the FBI. To be fair, nobody named Kenneth is pulling off Exactly, like yeah, that. no one's jumping out of a plane named Kenneth. And no one's that suave as a Kenneth. Yeah, that's not, Kenneth is not like a James Bond yeah, type that's name. Not a Kenneth, Kenneth Christensen. Kenneth. I mean, my name is Christensen. It's Kenneth Christensen. Nah, it doesn't flow as well. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah. He so he attempted to contact the FBI, but he had no luck. And he also tried to contact Nora Efron. How do you not have any luck contacting the FBI? I don't know. They I feel just like they're like not that hard. They're to like your name is Lyle. We don't care. Yeah, he's shut the fuck up. But he also tried to contact Nora Efron, who's famous for her romantic comedies, Sleepless in Seattle. Okay, why? You've got mail, uh, in the hope that she'd make a movie about it, because that's what oh, she does. She makes movies on, about, about crime. Come on, man. Um, Come on, man. When that obviously failed, he contacted a private investigator in New York, which led in 2010 to the detective Skip Porteous publishing a book <laughs> about Kenneth being the hijacker. So what Ohio exactly? And Skip. Skip Porteous. Skip. That's a fake Listen, name. Listen, Skip Porteous. So what makes Christensen such a strong candidate, at least in Lyle's eyes? Well, he enlisted in the army in 1944 and was a trained paratrooper. The war ended by the time he was deployed, but he still made training jumps while stationed in Japan. After leaving the Army, he joined Northwest Orient in 1954 as a mechanic in the South Pacific. Northwest Orient, again, is the airline. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then later, a flight attendant, and then a purser, which is someone who handles money on, on board a ship. The purser job put him in Seattle. Christensen was 45 when the hijacking happened, but he was shorter, thinner, and had lighter complexion than any of the descriptions. Christensen smoked had an affinity for bourbon, uh, and was left-handed, which it is speculated Cooper was. Schaffner, you remember Schaffner? Yep, Miss Schaffner. Who had first interacted with Cooper, said that Kenneth fit her memory of what Cooper looked like more than any other suspect she'd been shown, but wouldn't say for sure that they were the same. I think Lyle is... Keep in mind, they, they said that he was mid-40s as well. 
And All this right, guy was so, in the 40s. So Tina says... Or Keep Tina, in mind, a book was published about this, so they made he probably made some dough. So, yeah, Miss Schaffer was like, I think he he reminds me of Dan. I don't believe but also her. keep in mind this is he talked about this in two thousand three, which is thirty years yeah. after thirty plus years after yeah. after the hijacking had occurred. You think you're if you saw someone thirty years ago one time if you met granted, Dan, you would granted nah, that's a good point. He's a suave son of a bitch. But I feel like if it's in that situation where a person jumped out of a plane, you would remember the person that jumped out of a plane that you were on. You would think. But also... He has sunglasses. Yes, but also I think she's lying because... She wants to protect him. Not only does she want to protect him, I think that, one, there was a lot of shit going on at that time when he jumped out, and two, how does someone have just like the... like? He he had an energy of like Dan, like what the fuck, like was he Dan or is he not? Dan? Well, he looked a lot like him, but oh. and a lot of people, didn't you just say a lot of people said that he doesn't fit the complexion of? Yeah, he was lighter. Um, he excuse me, he was shorter, thinner, and had lighter complexion. Exactly. So I think Miss Schaefer. But in addition, so there's what more. The fuck, she's talking. Oh, a few months after the hijacking, Kenneth bought a house in cash. While nearing his end from cancer in 1994, he Wait, told... Wait, with cash or in a place called cash? Uh, with cash. Oh, shit. While nearing his end from cancer in 1994, he told Lyle, quote, There is something you should know, but I cannot tell you. Lyle never pushed the topic for some fucking reason. And after <laughs> his death, the family found gold coins in a valuable stamp collection along with over $200,000 in bank accounts. And bacon, okay, all right, so here's the thing, right? Cooper did not have that much. He had $200,000, but some fell out. And where the fuck did those coins come from? Maybe he just wanted to, what's, he didn't want to put all of his eggs in one basket. He separates a little bit. He's like, well, it can be Cooper, because look it. I got and, some of the money in stamps, some of the money in coins, some of the money in cash. And two, or three in this case. But also he bought the house in cash, too. Remember, if we remember back to the last one, didn't they give it to him and trace money? Yeah. So they could have fucking they would have as soon as he would have spent that, what they would have known. If he would have put it in a bank account, they would have known. Yeah. They would have if he would have bought a, a house in cash, they would have known because that's that's fucking hot boy shit. Listen to this. They also found a folder of Northwest Orient news clippings, which began around when the when uh, he was hired, and stopped just prior to the hijacking. Not only would you think that the hijacking would be the most newsworthy clipping about Northwest Orient, Kenneth continued to work there for many years after the hijacking occurred and never cut any more stories out. He probably didn't care. Some internet sleuths later found that Kenneth did not actually pay for the house in cash um, and actually had a mortgage that took 17 years to pay off. Oh, shit. The research also found that Kenneth had sold nearly two dozen acres of land for 17000 an acre, which would have... Uh, which would account for the money he had saved. Oh. And to this to this point, uh, the FBI does not consider Kenneth Christensen to be yeah, a prime Lyle, suspect. Get out of here. Lyle, that's that's one ten for a hat. One? Okay. That's he, fair. He just happened to have some good, maybe shady business deals, but nah, Lyle's on that bull. I think Lyle just wanted to get a piece of that check, Ski. He's like, I see an opportunity and I'm taking it. He doesn't even get an accent because he's a fucking liar. So he's one of the, even considering that, he's one of the more likely ones. Next guy, Jack Caulfield, probably not. 
Jack Caulfield is an ex-con, or he was an ex-convict, and uh, he was a government informant who claimed to have been the chauffeur, excuse me, chauffeur and confidant of Abraham Lincoln's last undisputed descendant. He claimed that. It's not true. But more related to the hijacking, in 1972, he began to claim that he was Cooper and to sell his story to a, uh, to a Hollywood production company. He claimed that he landed near Mount Hood, injuring himself and losing the money in the process. He looked similar to the drawings, um, but he was mid-50s when the hijacking occurred. Damn. However, he was in Portland on the day of the hijacking and sustained leg injuries consistent with a skydiving mishap. His account was reviewed by the FBI and was essentially thrown out, however. Thank God. That since it allegedly life. allegedly differed in significant details from information that had not yet been made public. All right. Uh, I really don't believe him the most so far. Okay. Because he just, you know... Well, he tried to sell it to a production yeah, you company. you know, he's trying to get some of that... Because I feel like, okay, here's the thing with me. If you're going to be Dan Cooper, you're not going to try to sell your shit to a movie company because... You still get charged. Yes, that's the thing. Like, you're going to go to jail. Like, you're going to jail, pal. No matter what. Yeah. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, we'll make him, let him make a movie. All right. Okay, so the next person, all right, I think is not DB Cooper. But wait, would you want to rate him out of ten or out of five? Uh, he gets a zero. Okay. Yeah. The next person I think is probably not DB Cooper, but I think they did commit a different crime. Uh, <laughs> this is Lynn Doyle Cooper. LD I thought Co- I said Lynn Dodge. No. I was gonna say, look at him. L.D. Cooper was a leather worker and Korean War veteran. It okay. wasn't until 2011 that he was considered a suspect by his niece, Marla. Little Dickie Cooper. Oh, shit. It's his dad. Yeah, it's his father. As an eight-year-old, Marla recalled L.D. and another uncle planning something suspicious involving expensive walkie-talkies at her grandma's house in Sisters, Oregon. The day of the hijacking, the uncles were out turkey hunting. But L.D. came home wearing a bloody shirt which he said was because of a car accident. <laughs> Later, Marla's own parents began to believe that LD was the hijacker as well. She also said that her uncle was obsessed with a comic hero, Dan Cooper. Her LD uncle matchi- must also murdered a man. LD matches to what witness Robert Gregory described uh, Cooper as looking like, but the only comment the FBI made was that his DNA did not match the organic material found on the tie. However, as we already said... The FBI also said that it's possible the organic material is not from Cooper. What about the... That's going to make me say, what about the fucking cups and cigarettes that you had? That's. I think that's just irrelevant at this point because they just fucking trashed him, I guess. I don't oh know. Oh, God, I hate that. I think right after he jumped, uh, Shaft went back there and smashed every single yeah, cup. Yeah, like, Dan, <laughs> Tore Dan, up the cigarettes. Dan, come on. You know? So you then she of? met Dan. And his uh, car. Very, actually, she wasn't on the plane then. It would be would have been Tina Mucklow. Yeah, Tina meets him in his car with no roof. You know, he's in yeah, a, a, a convertible lowrider. They're sitting next to each other, and he says, "He's like, you know what, Tina? I've been thinking, and uh, after that heist, I need some relief." Oh no! <laughs> so Tina looks at him. She's like, "Oh, Dan, you're funny," and he's like, "No, Tina, listen to me." I need some relief. Also, I want to marry your daughter. So then Tina reaches over and pleasures Dan via masturbation. For anybody's missing this reference, go watch uh, 
miss what was it called uh, abducted in plain sight yep. on netflix that's very interesting it is if you ever need some relief go watch it so this one next one is not oh no do not watch it if you want relief that's <laughs> gross the next one is i think highly unlikely but i think it's an interesting story no, but back to the guy, uh, LD, yeah. he murdered someone. Probably. Oh, he definitely However, murdered someone. How do you get off the date? It was a car accident. Yeah, he murdered and someone. There's no, I guess they never said if he there was damage just, to his car. He could have just said he was turkey hunting and he killed a turkey. Yeah, the Anyone car accident made, makes yeah, it way more suspicious. Yeah, he murdered a person. And They, never they should s- definitely look into him for murder. They never talked about the other one. Yeah, no, they should talk like he murdered a man and or woman. Like he's... That guy is a criminal. He has a cabin in the woods. Yeah, he's just walking people. around out here. Turkey hunting is code. You, honestly, as a niece, you're the terrible person because you thought he did this when he murdered someone. Wait, why would there be blood on him? Yeah. He didn't, D.B. Cooper didn't kill anybody. No, yeah, no, he murdered a man. He got walkie-talkies and he murdered Expensive someone. Expensive walkie-talkies. Yeah, you're, yeah, really. You wanted to check and you were hoping for the best, but no... You listen to your uncle murder someone. So if I was you, I would hide. Because what if he hears this and he's like, really, bitch? You're going to go... That would incriminate him, though. You're going to go to the people about me? I'm going to go turkey hunting with you. I'm going to go to... The most dangerous game. You know what uh, Dick Cheney did. (laughs) You want want me to accidentally shoot you thinking you're a turkey? Accidentally? In the head? Yep. You won't survive, though. All right, the next person you might find interesting... Barbara Dayton, a woman. Whoa! Hear me out. It'll change. A recreational pilot and librarian for the University of Washington, Barbara was born Robert Dayton in in 1926 and served in the U.S. Merchant Marine and in the Army during World War II. After discharge, she worked with explosives in the construction industry and dreamed of having an airline career, but was unable to obtain a commercial pilot's license. So she's angry. It was in 1969, two years prior to Cooper, that Dayton underwent gender reassignment surgery and changed her name. She claimed to have staged the Cooper hijacking two years prior to, quote, get back at the airline industry and the FAA whose rules and conditions prevented her from becoming a pilot. She said she hid um, the ransom money in a cistern near her landing point in Woodburn, near Portland. Eventually, she took all her statements back after she found out she could still be charged. The FBI has never commented on this theory. You know, that one's wild because think okay. Th- that would be first off. That would be the wild, most coolest shit ever if DB was disguise. going. If he was like, I am not gonna get caught. My name is what was what was it? Uh, before or after? After. Uh, Barbara. My name is Barbara Cooper. I mean, <clears throat> my name is Barbara Cooper now. I think I, I mean I apologize off for I think it's called dead naming uh, her, but it's crazy. That's a crazy theory to think that if that was the reason, that's like the, n- the most crazy thing ever. You're like I, that's the master of disguise art. That right? is, he would be legendary if he went and became Barbara Cooper. I mean Barbara Dayton. Seems like two hundred thousand dollars. That's too low. Yeah. Well, did they, they had those? also she took it all back. So. Yeah. I mean, you want that... It's so easy to get a... Ch- Man, you know the wild thing is, is because all white people look the same, <laughs> you guys can all just say that you were Dan Cooper and get a moment in the sun. I actually was Dan Cooper. See? You can go out <laughs> and do it like I was Dan. Well, my dad was born in 1971, and as an infant, he was Dan Cooper. See? 
All right, the next guy. You don't even have to comment on that one because I don't think it's true. Yeah, no, that's a this is negative five. William Gossett, very likely source. Gossett was a veteran in the Marines, Army, and Air Forces who saw action in Korea and Vietnam. Part of his experience included advanced jump training and wilderness survival. After retiring from the military in 1973, he worked as an ROTC instructor, taught military law, and hosted a radio uh, talk show in Salt Lake City, which featured discussions on the paranormal. This so he's I, you. That's my future. You're except him. Minus all the military stuff. Yeah. And the, well, and add in the drugs. <laughs> Gossett was a well-known Cooper fanatic, and late in his life, he told his wife and three sons that he had done it. <laughs> He wasn't talking about the hijacking. Though. Sit down. Sit down. Listen to me, kid. I done did it. <laughs> listen to me. Uh, pass the peace first. Pass the peace. Uh, listen. I'm Dan Cooper. And now you're going to think, no, you're lying, Dad. Dad. But wait wait till I go. Let me show you some shit. Let me put these glasses on for you. See these shades? Now listen to me. Miss Schaefer, I want to take you in this bathroom right now oh and see what that God. mouth do. No. Now, doesn't that sound like Dan Cooper? Doesn't that sound like something I would say? And his wife is horrified. She's like, what? <laughs> He's like, don't be horrified. You know what you were. She turns into the Jonestown ghost. <laughs> you knew what it was when you signed up. <laughs> She's like, whoa. <laughs> see, that's that ghost saying that I did it. <laughs> think about. Think only of, I can understand him, though. Yep. I was thinking about this. Did was this going on at the same time as the Jonestown shit? Probably, I can't remember exactly when Jonestown ended, but this is a wild time in history. Sixties and seventies was nuts, this dude. Was, That's like LSD and every, and MK Ultra and shit going everything. on. UFOs. There's too much shit going on. I think too something much happened shit. in America. I want to live then. Um, you wouldn't have made it. May, probably not. You would have probably gotten to an addiction and then <laughs> every time. <laughs> So you know how it is. he was a one-line Cooper fanatic, and he told he told his family that he had done it. And photos of Gossett around the time of the incident uh, draw strong resemblance to Cooper's composite. Galen Cook, a lawyer who collected information on Gossett for years, claimed that Gossett once showed his sons a key to a safe deposit uh, safety deposit box in Vancouver, which he said contained the ransom money, but he never showed him the actual box. Yeah, why? Yeah, why would you? Gossett's oldest son said that his dad had a gambling problem and was always in need of money, and it's oh, likely that lie. he gambled it away. In 1988, Gossett changed his name to Wolfgang <laughs> and became a priest. Wolfgang the priest. Uh, Wolf, which, Wolfgang. I'm Wolfgang Cooper. Many theorists suggest that this is um, him trying to disguise his identity. As Wolfgang? The priest. That's That would disguise it? I think changing your name to Wolfgang... Makes you be the first person on my list. Other, yeah, you think? Yeah. That's out there. Wolfgang. Other circumstantial evidence includes testimony that Cook claims to have obtained uh, from William Mitchell, a passenger on the plane, regarding a mysterious, undivulged physical detail that connected Gossett and Cooper. What the fuck was this detail? We'll never know. It was undivulged. Um, Cook also claims to have found possible links in each of the four letters signed D.B. Cooper and mailed the three newspapers within days of the hijacking. Nah, but there's no much. evidence that the letters were created or mailed by Cooper. Yeah, that's, that's why I didn't much. even talk about them last time because it's generally considered to be. But some people think that they are. And there's codes in there and stuff that link uh, certain certain uh, people to him. No, Dan's not that smart. He's smart, but not that smart. All right, William Gossett, what do you give him? 
Uh, I don't think. See, I don't like. I like to think if I did something this wild, I have my whole idea. No, I don't. But if I ever did something this wild, I wouldn't. No matter what, I wouldn't be like, "Hey, I did it." Yeah. Because what's the fucking point? Because you can't trust your family at the end of the day. Because they're like, well, shit, like, how much is the ransom money going? Keep in mind, the FBI also has no direct evidence implicating Gaza and cannot even reliably place him in the Pacific Northwest exactly. at the time of the hijacking. So what's the, why would you even say, I did it? Cash in, I'm telling you. Like, it makes no sense, Think about though. this. This is maybe the most brilliant thing that Cooper, if, he, if it, it could just be happenstance, it probably is, that it's a better, identi- a better uh, cover to not even, like, have a good alibi but it's also have people just claiming it for no reason that they were the person instead well, of you. Everyone's like that is literally the go-to for anyone who did a crime that was this wacky. Exactly. Just say I did it. Exactly. And, and everybody be like, no, you the guy did that really it. did it is like disappeared. He's like those twenty-six people or hundreds of people that are uh, people claim are them. That's all my cover I need. They'll never think about me. They'll think about those people. I don't know. I don't like. I don't like that because I just don't. He he doesn't seem cool. DB Cooper was suave. You know, s- drunk bourbon. Sat by. I always Smoked pictured cigarettes. him. I always pictured him sitting in front of a fire, smoking a cig. In one of those like brown leather chairs, yeah, like one of the ones. He's the world's most interesting man. Yeah, like he's the Dosecki's. That's who did it. Wow, that's why he's the world's most Holy interesting man. Holy shit, he's old. Yes, he and he kind of looks like. <laughs> what if he did it? What if he was like you know? I don't always jump out of planes and steal money, but when I do, I drink Dosakis. <laughs> Not the bourbon. Bow, 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 bow. All right, what do you give uh, William Gossett? Uh, two. I hate when it, I don't know. I two. The problem with these is, I don't like when other people say that it was like. I don't like when kids say it was my dad. Well, guess what? So some of these other ones are gonna be not that. Okay, so it might you might find them more. Yeah, probable I don't than. like when it's like my. I think it was my dad, or I it think was my it was, uncle who yeah. went turkey hunting. Well, your uncle murdered someone. <laughs> so in that case, you were right. But not in this case. Like he, no, you should have went to the police. All right, the next person. What if he killed Jimmy Hoffa, her uncle? Oh, oh my God. shit. That's the secret link that I didn't mention. Her uncle was Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, That's, that's not true. <laughs> He's the other one? Yeah. He was the other uncle they don't talk about? That's crazy. Her, both her uncles are D.B. Cooper and Jimmy Hoffa. And Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> <laughs> He got in the car one day and we just never seen him again. Oh my again. god, what if Jimmy Hoffa was DV Cooper? Oh shit. So he gets in the car. He drives all the way to Seattle from Michigan. And then he jumps out of the plane. And then he gets away from the mob. And that's how he get that's how he ends his like life. Speaking of Michigan, this next person is from Michigan. Oh shit. Robert Richard Lepsey. Lepsy was a 33-year-old grocery store manager and married father of four. You from said leprosy or Lepsy? Lepsy. Ah. He might have been a leper. Uh, married father of four from Grayling, Michigan, who disappeared in October of 1969. Oh, I like this. His vehicle was found three days later at a local airport, and a man matching his description was reportedly seen boarding a flight to Mexico. Yes, he was. Remember where Cooper wanted to go? Mexico, Mexico. City. Yeah, he did. Authorities concluded that Lepsy had left voluntary, voluntarily, however, 
and closed their investigation. Two years following the hijacking, family members noted that Lepsey's physical features resembled those in the Cooper composites, and his clothing was described as being similar to Lepsey's work uniform. Lepsey was declared dead, though, in 1976, but one of Lepsey's daughters submitted a DNA sample, which yielded unknown results. The FBI has never commented on Lepsey. Wait, wait, it had, wait... They just didn't tell her what the results were. They're like, there's what they something were. here, but... It's unknown. Oh, shit. What if it's unknown? Because it did match the organic sample, but they still can't say that the tie, the material on the tie was Cooper's DNA. They never. They said they can't confirm whether it was. It could have been somebody else. So what if it was his DNA? What if it was a guy? And they don't have enough other evidence to convict. Damn. He's somewhere in Mexico. Yeah. Your shoulder just popped? Yes, it did. Jesus Christ. I'm falling apart. That was bad. You do the other one? I can't. You should get that checked out. Do that every day. Everybody hates it, so. What'd I should have done it right into the mic and freaked everybody out. Did you get injured or shot? What happened to you? Uh, I I played the fifth. Pelican is a rough time. It's from a skydiving incident. <laughs> Next person is John List. John L- Lennon? It was. Whoa. John List. List was an accountant as well as a World War II and Korean War veteran who murdered his wife, three kids, and elderly mother in New Jersey just, Damn. O- just over two weeks before the hijacking. Damn. Yeah, hate for that one. He withdrew $200,000 from his mother's bank account and vanished. He came to the attention of the Cooper Task Force because of the timing of his disappearance, matches to his description, and the reasoning that he was already a fugitive, so he had nothing to lose. List admitted to the murders when he was captured in 1989, but denied involvement with the hijacking, and he died in prison in 2008. The FBI did not consider him a suspect. Shit. I mean, that's not, I don't think it was him, but there's some interesting stuff there where uh, he definitely did some bad shit. Yeah, he did a lot of bad shit on the way out. And he took $200,000 out. Maybe he just wanted to make it back. It, I mean, shit, though. I don't like that. But here's the thing. If I uh, killed my entire family, my first thought is not, well, I'm already screwed. Might as well commit another crime. Poor Caroline. Wait, I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so next person, Ted Mayfield. Wait, did you have a comment on the last one? You gonna rate him? No, he was wild. So I'm gonna say he was a zero. The guy before him was I. I would say he's like a three to point five. Okay, Lepsy. Yeah, I can see him more. Ted Mayfield. Ted Mayfield was a special forces veteran, uh, a pilot, a competitive skydiver, and a skydiving instructor who served time in 1994 for negligent homicide, homicide after two of his students died when their parachutes failed to open. Later. He was found indirectly responsible for 13 other skydiving Damn. deaths due to faulty equipment and training. His criminal record also included armed robbery and transportation of stolen aircraft. Damn. Yeah. And he was just working. In 2010, he, sent, he was sentenced to three years probation for piloting a plane 26 years after losing his pilot's license and rigging certificates. He was also uh, frequently considered as a suspect in the early stage of the investigation, according to FBI agent Ralph Himmelsbach, who had known him prior. He was he was ruled out, however, due to part, uh, due partly to the fact he was called. Excuse me, he called Himmelsbach 
Um, less than two hours after Flight 305 landed in Reno to volunteer advice on standard skydiving procedures and possible landing zones. Consider if it is Cooper. He does does the hijacking and then oh. calls up and then his alibi. He's like, okay, I'll help you catch him. Let me tell you everything I know He's about like, Cooper. Hold on, hold on. Let me tell you, let me tell you everything I know about my son. Ooh. I mean, about Dan. Dan. Uh, yeah, uh, jumping out of planes is pretty hard. That's if that's if he is Cooper. That's crazy. That's like that's the most that like, would ballsy be thing ever. That would be not even ballsy, just stealthy. In 2006, oh, two amateur researchers named Daniel Dvorak and Matthew Myers once again considered Mayfield a suspect. They theorized that Mayfield called Himmelsbach to establish an alibi, and they challenged a conclusion made by Himmelsbach that he could not have found a phone in time to call the FBI. Mayfield denied involvement and asserted that the FBI had reached out to him five times um, while the hijacking was in progress to ask various questions about skydiving. Himmelsbach, however, uh, said the FBI never called him. Why would you call him while there's a heist going on? Mayfield thought, uh, excuse me, Mayfield though went on to say that the two had encouraged him to pay uh, to play along for the money, which they denied ever happened. Mayfield died in 2015, but the FBI ruled him out as a suspect pretty early on. Why would you what? Why would you call the FBI? Why would they call? Because him? He, they already know him, and he's got t- skydiving experience. So they're like, <laughs> we need some details. Maybe you're an expert on skydiving. Um, can you help us out here? Tell us some stuff that maybe you could help. You've already done a crime before. Well, see, they, they don't know about that. This is prior to the crimes. Yeah. Like him being charged. So they don't know that he's a bad guy. They just know that he was a special forces veteran, a pilot, a competitive oh, skydiver, so they to know and him. a skydiving instructor. How do, they, how do they even know him? Because he was special forces, probably. So they just like. And he was a pilot. We remember you. Yeah. I'm calling my. Oh, my well, it said that Himmelsbeck had known him prior. It doesn't say how. Himmelsbeck was, you know, getting his head back. What do you think of that? Uh, stupid, but I was, like I said, the cops in the 60s and 70s just weren't good at their jobs. Pretty crazy. You know? And that one's like a wild one. I give that one a, a 2.5. He's crazy. He's like, I didn't call them. They called me yeah, he's five like, times. And they're like, we never called you at all. <laughs> he's like, what? And they're like, okay, we did, damn it. Ah, they got us. Yeah, this is yeah. What do you rate? What do you rate him? I give him a two point five. I think it's Ted? wild. Yeah, I, I, I a lot think of Ted. Ted's are notorious criminals. They Ted are Ted Kaczynski, Ted Cruz. Oh, oh that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Uh, Ted Bundy. Yeah, shit. There's a lot yes. of Ted's. <laughs> yeah. Theodore from the Chipmunks. Yeah, that's know son what he's of done. that chunky son of a bitch. <laughs> You know he was doing a lot of crimes. So the next one is Richard Floyd Food McCoy really. Jr. McCoy Jr. McCoy was an army veteran who served two years, excuse me, two tours of duty in Vietnam. First as a demolition expert and later with the Green Berets as a helicopter pilot. Oh, wow. After his military service, he became a warrant officer in, U- in the Utah National Guard and an avid recreational skydiver in the hopes that he'd one day become a Utah state trooper. Okay, so he's a Fed. On April 7th, 1972, McCoy staged the best known of the copycat hijackings, which there was there were many of. He boarded the United Airlines Flight 855 in Denver and brandished what was later discovered to be a paperweight resembling a hand grenade and an unloaded handgun. 
he demanded four parachutes and five hundred thousand dollars. Damn, he was gonna one up him. After delivery of the money and shoots at San Francisco, McCoy ordered the aircraft back into flight and bailed out over Provo, Utah. Yeah. However, he left behind his handwritten hijacking instructions and fingerprints on a magazine he had been reading. Probably Hustler. <laughs> oh. He was arrested on April yes, 9th. Yes, it was. On April 9th with a ransom cash in his possession and received a 45-year sentence. Two years later, he escaped from Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary with several accomplices by crashing a garbage truck through the main gate. Tracked down three months later in Virginia Beach, he was killed in a shootout with the FBI. Yeah, you gotta get him off the streets. That son of a bitch. <laughs> he might be a superhero. He might be a secret spy. You know, to be honest, I don't think they killed him. I think they brought him in. Yeah? They were like, we need you. In later published books, parole officer Bernie Rhodes and FBI agent Russell uh, Calamay asserted their claim that McCoy was Cooper, citing statements from McCoy's family about the tie and tie clip and McCoy's own refusal to deny or admit to the claims. Okay. The FBI, however, does not consider him a suspect because of significant mismatches in age and description, a level of skydiving thought to be well above Cooper's own abilities, and credible evidence that he was in Las Vegas at the time. I also don't believe that it was Cooper because why would you redo Do it the again? Yes. Ask for more money. Yes. He's like, I did it once. You can do it twice. And However, right. the guy that killed him, the guy that actually shot him, um, said that he had a, he's a quote that's just, it's paraphrased, but he says like, when I killed McCoy, I killed uh, D.B. Cooper. Fuck you. You know you didn't. That's what I would have said. Fuck you. I'd be like, fuck you. No, you didn't. Give me your badge. You lost your job. But I would say... Damn, that dude one-upped him. He oh know you want to know something though? Yeah, he did the same true. thing that Dan did. It's just they were shitty. Yeah, like they didn't. The original group, I guess they learned from the Dan mistakes because they could have found DNA fingerprints on the cup, fingerprints on the you know the you know his lips on the drink. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of shit that he left on the cigarettes, on, you know, Miss Schaefer's, you know. <laughs> oh, God. There's plenty of fingerprints he left. They just were terrible. So the next person is a guy that I think is one of the more likely suspects, probably top two or three. Mm. His name is Robert Rackstraw. Rackstraw is a retired pilot and ex-convict who served on an Army helicopter crew and other units during the Vietnam War. He was brought to the attention of the Cooper Task Force in February 1978 when he was arrested in Iran and deported to the U.S. to face explosives possession uh, and check-kiting charges. Months later, while out on bail, he attempted to fake his own death by radioing a false mayday call and telling controllers that he was bailing out of a rented plane over Monterey Bay. Let's see it. He was later arrested with a new charge of forging federal pilot certificates and the plane was found repainted nearby. Cooper investigators noted a strong resemblance to, uh, to composites. He was 28 at the time, which is actually younger than what they thought Cooper was, but he had military parachute training and, criminal, and a criminal record, but there was no direct evidence, so he was ruled out uh, in 1979. And Cooper asked for shitty parachutes, by the way. Well, he didn't actually. He just used the shitty ones. Well, yeah. He reemerged as a suspect in 2016 when his potential involvement was asserted in a History Channel program and a book. In September 2016, 
Thomas Colbert filed a lawsuit to compel the FBI to release its Cooper file under FOIA. He alleges the FBI suspended active investigation of Cooper in order to undermine the theory that Rackstraw is DB so as to prevent embarrassment for the FBI's failure to develop sufficient evidence to prosecute. I can see that. In January 2018, a small cold case documentary crew reported that they had obtained a letter originally written in December of 1971 and sent to several prominent newspapers with various numbers and letters written on it. The team led by Tom and Donna Colbert say, that's, that's Look me. Look at you trying to get in here. Says that the codes were deciphered and matched to three units. I see what you were doing. Three units. Your rack- last name is D, so you said you were going to jump up to C's. You're a stealthy son of a bitch. And I'm a big fan of Steven. Yep. Colbert. Um, um, so they say that the codes were deciphered and matched to three units Rackstraw was a part of while in the Army, and the FBI refused to acknowledge the findings because it would undermine their credibility. It's like detective work. It's the most baffling unsolved crime in FBI history. What is he saying with his number system? In 1971, a man skyjacked an airplane for ransom and vanished into the night sky. And we have a match. Unsolved until now. I got two bronze stars. Sergeant Rick Sherwood triangulated targets. You were a code breaker. Yes. Trying to eradicate the enemy in Vietnam. No one would have ever thought that I would ever use any kind of code breaking or anything again. Until? Until Tom Colbert. Tom Colbert, a Los Angeles producer. He was uh, investigating the D.B. Cooper skyjacking happened 71. It began with a seizure of this Northwest Airlines 727. And he said, uh, I, I think I know who did this. Description on one wire service, master criminal. He goes, Robert Rackstraw, he was one of your pilots. Robert Rackstraw, a retired pilot in California, has been questioned before. I'm secret, you got T, which is 20. Codebreaker Sherwood was asked to crack long suspected ciphers after D.B. Cooper extorted 200 grand in 20s, parachuted from the plane into infamy, he then taunted authorities in post-hijacking letters. When some guy said he's got a D.B. Cooper suspect, you think what? Everybody's got a suspect. They're still looking for Elvis. Retired FBI agent and behavioral analyst, now Professor Jack Schaefer, was enlisted to create a character sketch for Colbert's independent cold case team. Now? Well, I think certainly there's a strong circumstantial case now, especially the link between the decoded messages and Rackshaw, because that fits his personality. In your assessment, could Robert Rackstraw be D.B. Cooper? There's a strong possibility that he is. Rackstraw had the training and left the military just months before D.B. Cooper hijacked the Boeing 727. I'm thinking, I'm going to look at the military stuff. So I wrote down everything about the military that Rackstraw was involved in. Vietnam, top secret, 371st, their unit, 11th GS, their company. Using the alphabet code where each letter gets a numerical value, A is 1, B is 2, and so on. This was what was used on letter five, which broke everything open. In Cooper's letter number five, Sherwood noted at the bottom, the seven CCs on top added up 21. He deciphered that to be ASA, Army Security Agency, their intelligence branch. He'd find 371st, 11th GS. Where our choppers flew out of in Vietnam. And then there's letter number six. Sherwood noted Cooper's and please tell the lackey cops D.B. Cooper is not my real name. 
Then he used the terminology of lackey. I said, there's something here. I said, that could be his name. And please tell the lackey cops, equals 269. Sherwood racked his mind for an equivalent. I'm Lieutenant Robert W. Rackstraw, also equals 269. Game, set, match. Rackstraw's D.B. Cooper. Yeah. You sure? I'm sure. Yeah, I mean... They just I, okay. The FBI. So the, the basically their see, whole case is that the FBI only threw it out because they didn't have enough evidence to prosecute, and it'd be an embarrassment. Yeah, I can now. I can see that because I would think if I was in the FBI, I kind of would also want to just close because, like I said, well, no, that would actually make me want to catch him more because if he basically said "fuck you" before he jumped out of the plane, like he did everything in such a like a douchey. It wasn't douchey. But it was like, you son of a bitch. Like, why are you being suave? Like, usually you think of a guy when he gets on the plane and he'll get on there. He'll be like, ah, oh, fuck you. I'm going to blow this bitch up. Everybody give me your money. Ah. But Dan got on there suave with his shades on. Like, hey, how you doing? Uh, I have a seat right next to me. I'm Dan. Uh, let me talk to you real quick. Here's this note. Don't get nervous at all. It just says I have a bomb. I need 200000 And uh, if you don't, I'm going to blow this shit up. <laughs> You know, so I also want to include here um, some audio from an interview done with Rackstraw's sister, which is sort of a character testimony, though, um, since I believe some of the reporter's information is inaccurate. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he um, he was always interested in airplanes. He built a lot of model airplanes because boys did at that time. And he he's brilliant. Even back then, he was he would go to the library and get a book if he's interested in the subject. He made this cannon, and I don't know where he got the cannonball, but he made his own uh, powder, his own uh, you know, powder to uh, you know, use on the cannon. And how old was he? Oh, gosh, he would have been um, 12, maybe. And 11, he knew 12. how to make gunpowder for a cannon? Oh, he probably got the book and figured that out, too. He could figure it out. And uh, guns were always in the house. Guns were always around. And then he also got a, uh, another, again, a book, and he made a plane. I'm not talking a little plane. I'm talking a glider where it had the hand, you could sit in it. It even became more and more evident is that his, um, his actions, it never occurred. It's almost like it doesn't occur to him that it hurts somebody else. And if it does, it doesn't matter. It, it's, um, he, it's, okay, you know, sometimes he'd even justify and it's always somebody else's fault, by the way. It's never his. The most interesting one at that time was when the FBI agent came to my door. What he asked me was, did I know where Bob was Thanksgiving Day, 1971? And I said, you know, I really don't. I, and, I, you know, why? And he told me, you know, did I know about D.B. Cooper? So that was the first reference to Bob and D.B. Cooper that I had heard. He told me he read... Um, a letter Bob had sent to the Army after he had been discharged, and it was an angry letter. And he tends to lash out when he's angry. Um, he called me <laughs> at work. From jail? Yeah. When he called, and I hear this voice, and I was not, I was not expecting him to call at all. I almost hung up right away, and he, he must have known it because he goes, don't hang up, don't hang up, Linda, don't hang up. He goes, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. He goes, honest, and he goes, please don't hang up on me. So I didn't. 
I bought him two suits so that he looked decent in court. He had lost weight and didn't have a lot of clothes. Here's my extremely intelligent brother, and I'm thinking, you really did something dumb to get caught. And he said, you know, you get tired of running. Really? Yeah. It's the first time I'd ever heard him say anything like that. There are two very venerable journalists, Pete Noyes, Don Ray. During the second trial, they get a call from your brother Bob in jail claiming to be D.B. Cooper. Oh, really? Yeah, he came out and said, I'm D.B. Cooper. Pete Noyes, in his manner that I've witnessed many times, barked, prove it. Hmm. Bob said, well, my uncle, his name is Ed Cooper. That's where I took my name from. And he lives in Phoenix. And he's a parachutist. Does that sound plausible to you? Oh, absolutely. So I start to put two and two together and think, you know what? I think I do see a motive. I see the potential of a motive. Mm -hmm. And that is, you gave me all these skills, right. you threw me into the street, I'm gonna show you what I can do yep. with those skills. Yeah, I'm angry and I'm gonna get back at you. That way you could also say, you know, you did it. You gave me the skills, you did all the training. You made me into what I am. I made D.B. Cooper into what he is. You know, he would have planned this out and done it just out of anger at the you know, military and everyone around him. Um, but I, I think there's a strong, very strong possibility he's D.B. Cooper. Yeah, that's what she said. That's what she said? That's all she wrote. She's a liar. Uh, she, she thinks that, uh, as, as you heard clearly, yes. yeah. um, that he was not a good guy. He was very manipulative. Yeah. Which I think kind of... Fits Dan a little. Well, Dan's not. He wasn't. He, he was nice, me. but maybe he was manipulated. We yeah, don't know. Well, him. hey, he manipulated me. However, I, I would have gave it up. One of the flight attendants didn't think of Rack. Didn't think Rackstraw looked anything like Cooper. And Rackstraw acquired legal counsel and has oh, uh, vehemently shit. refuted the claims. The FBI has not commented further, but Rackstraw said that the two 2016 investigation lost him his job. Oh shit. They ruined his life. I don't believe that because I think if he, yeah, I like how he's like intentionally trying to clear his name. I just realized the name of this next guy. What is it? So the next guy we're going to talk about is a little guy named William Smith. <laughs> That's hot. It's the same one, I think. Uh, I'm just kidding. Good old Will Smith. Anyways, in November 2018, the Oregonian published an article that identified Smith as a possible suspect. The article was based on research from a U.S. Army data analyst who his findings um, to the FBI, or who gave his findings to the FBI in the summer of 2018. Smith, a New Jersey native, was a World War II veteran. After high school, he enlisted in the Navy and volunteered for combat aircrew training, wishing to fly. After the Navy, he worked for the Lehigh Valley Railroad and was hit hard by the Penn Central Transportation Company bankruptcy in 1970. The article theorized that the Will Smith's first name is Willard, by the way. Is it really? Yes. Is that a, that's a lie? No, it is. That's why I was like, no, it's not. Willard Carroll? His middle name is Carroll? Yeah. That really ruined Will Smith for me. Do you really think his name was William? I thought it was William. No, it's Willard. Could it be Will, Bill, Bill Smith? No, it's 
So Willard Smith. That is disappointing, and I wish you didn't know that. Well, you do now. The article theorized so that... So you the, can't get jiggy with this one. That the loss of his pension created a grudge against the corporate world and the transportation industry. He was suddenly in need of money. In Smith's yearbook, a list of alumni killed in World War II exists. Why did he... What? Including a man named Ira Daniel Cooper. Oh, shit. So you think he took the Dan? Which may have been the source of the alias. Yeah, okay. I like that. I like that. The article goes on to say that the uh, aluminum particles found on the tie, which we talked about last episode, um, could have come from a locomotive maintenance facility and that Smith's knowledge of Seattle may have come from his friend Dan Clare. The article notes that the resemblance between him and the composites are uncanny. The FBI has made no comments, however. Why would they? I don't know. They didn't really I mean, make, that's my they, thing. Basically, they only make comments to say, nah, he's not a suspect. Yeah, like, I don't I don't get why people want the FBI to be, like, more, this is what we know, this is what we have. Why would they give out all the shit they know? You gotta wait till shit's far enough down the line where you know he's dead. All right, the next person. Well, no, because then you want to catch him. Well, I guess if you made a mistake, then you that's don't want people to know. That's why I say far enough down the line where he's, you know he's dead. Like, wait, like, fucking 50, 60 years down the line where you know... Dan's probably like 102. And they're like, okay, you're right. It was Will Smith that did it. Yeah. The next guy is Dwayne Weber. Wow, wow, Wes. He was a World War II Army veteran who served time in at least six prisons from 1945 to 1986 for burglary and forgery. He was put forth as a suspect by his widow in a deathbed confession made three days before his death in 1995 where he said... I am Dan Cooper. No, he's not. The name meant nothing to his wife until she learned of the connection to the hijacking. She went to the library to do research, and in one book on the incident, she found notations made in her husband's handwriting in the margins. She recalled that Weber once had a nightmare, during which he talked in his sleep about jumping from a plane and leaving his fingerprints on the, quote, aft stairs, which is what they were. He also, uh, he'd also told her about an old knee injury he sustained from jumping out of a plane. He also smoked heavily and enjoyed bourbon. Additionally, he made a trip to Seattle and the Columbia River in 1979, where he took a long walk along the riverbank in the Tina Bar area, where the money was found, four months before the ransom money was found in the exact same spot. He was, however, eliminated as an active suspect in July 1988, Due to fingerprints not matching and a lack of other evidence. His DNA did not match that from the tie either, but as we know, they also said that they don't even know that the organic material on the tie is even from Cooper. I don't like when people do the, he was dying and the last thing he said to me is I'm Dan Cooper. Yeah, because you can't, you can't, back, yeah, you can't I, check that I at all. I hate that shit. I hate that. They're like, you might as well said Rosebud before he died. Oh, that's yeah, good. Like, fuck You're cultured. You. Yeah, like, what is the point? Like, I hate that. It's so stupid, and everyone always goes, You see, he said it! He said it! Like, like, what the fuck? What point does it make? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Don't do it. So, you know, you better not do it. You better not be like, before you die, go like... Honestly, that's good, though. They always make coke. jokes about, like, saying, like, I have a million dollars hidden in the... And then you die, and then your whole family's like, ah, What the fuck? You're like, wake up, you son of a bitch! Yeah. So, can you... Can you, uh... You ad lib for oh, a second. Oh, you want me to tap dance for you? Yeah. 
So let's talk about some scat music. Hey, I've been waiting to talk about this all the time. No, so next week, as we take a break in between this while time searches for some bullshit, next week I'm going to be doing an episode about a, a blues singer who may or may not sold his soul to the devil. So there you go. There's your little mid-roll. What the fuck, dude? You sit over there. You don't say anything in your Lions Pro-Line shirt, wingbreaker bullshit. They're losers. So we just talked we talked we just talked about Will William Smith. Yep. Um which uh I want to shout out uh D-W a fan. Known? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he was pretty fucking clutch this week. He believed, which I actually had the information before, but he believes um he actually sent us an article from the Oregonian that we mentioned. Um, is I want to add him at D W N O O N E one. Um, I think he's just a big fan of DB Cooper. Mm-hmm. He talks about how he, um, the guy that we'll talk about next, who I think is the most likely suspect doesn't look anything like Cooper. And that, uh, and that this guy, Will Smith does look a lot like him. And then he references the Oregonian article and he, he sent that to us. So we just want to shout him out. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for reaching out. That's you guys can have a conversation with us too at our Twitter. Yeah. And either I'm going to respond or Tom's going to respond. With or, a typo. Maybe yeah, if you're lucky. Bikes. <laughs> or you never know. So uh, I, I have one more suspect. Mackenzie might respond. Really? I don't know. She's not active on her Twitter. Um, Currently. Last guy. Uh, Walter... Recca. He's also from Michigan, by the way. Walter Recker. <sighs> nice. God, man, these guys have so many punny names. Walter Recca was a military veteran. Dick. <laughs> I meant to say Richard, but Richard. It just, R- Richard Dick Recca. Just, Dick just spilled out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourself. I am. Sixth grade me is fucking hype right now. What? This whole like past two episodes has provided sixth grade me so many options. Walter Recca was a military veteran from Michigan. In fact, he was an original member of the Michigan parachute team. He was proposed and as the a, Tuskegee Airmen. No, <laughs> he was proposed as a suspect by his friend Carl Lauren, a former commercial airline pilot and expert parachuter, okay. at a press conference held on May seventeenth, twenty eighteen. We are here to unveil the identity of the infamous skyjacker, D.B. Cooper. Two and a half years ago, we received a call from Lisa McNeely, one of our editors, about her uncle, Carl Lauren, and his friendship with the real D.B. Cooper. Our director of publishing services and documentary filmmaker, Dirk Ringa, made the first call to Carl, and for more than an hour and a half, heard a story after story about Carl's late best friend, Walter Recca. That conversation was the start of Principia Media's two-year investigation into Walter's secret life to prove whether or not he was the real D.B. Cooper. Oh, it's an honor to be here today. For the next few months, our team listened to the more than three hours of audio tapes and analyzed them, all dealing with the events that led up to and through the hijacking, and even the years beyond. We listened in Walter's own words. We heard him talk about his motivations for the hijacking. We talked about the jump itself, what happened in the plane, where he landed, how he got home. And most importantly, 
why he wasn't caught. Here's a clip of our documentary that highlights the audio about Walter's story. Now, where did you carry your note? In a tie pocket of the suit. What was the note about? I can't remember right there. This is a hijack and I've got explosives. So you did hand her, hand her the note. And since she kind of put it in her pocket, like she said, I can't believe you're actually hijacking this airplane. And I says, I can't believe it either, but I'm serious. Anything on how you told them to get the parachutes and the money in $20 bills and and whatnot? Used $20 bills. Oh, you wanted, you wanted all used ones? Yeah. I didn't get all used ones, but I got uh, a lot of them were used. How did you order the parachutes? Did you say, I want four parachutes, or did you order two reserves and two backpacks? Two reserves and two backpacks. When that airplane landed in Seattle, it had already been hijacked. You never talked personally, you said, to the cockpit crew. No, I talked to the uh, stewardess, and the stewardess relayed the message to the cockpit. And they were always verbal. Nothing was written. When you hijacked the airplane and they were flying from Seattle, Tacoma, now you're going to jump. You ordered them to have the gear down. Right there, well, uh, the wheels down slow the aircraft down, right there. And the flaps right there is when we're jumping, right there. You know, you give it flaps right there, cut power. There's drag right there, so I'm not going to be hit. Why did you open the one parachute in the airplane? See, that it wasn't tied off. Was that a reserve or a main? It was a main. And so now you're down to the one main. Mm-hmm. Did you wear a reserve when you did this? No. The parachute that you opened in the airplane, you did cut shroud lines off it, you know. What did you do with the shroud lines? And the money on to me. Took my belt from around my waist, tied it around my raincoat, put the money in there, right there, buttoned it all the way up to my neck. And then put the parachute on? Yeah. In addition to these tapes, we also reviewed letters, passports, newspaper articles, legal documents, and photos and a type confession. In 2008, Rekka confessed to being D.B. Cooper to Lauren via a phone call. Rekka gave Lauren permission in a notarized letter to share his story after he died in 2014 at the age of 80. He allowed Lauren to tape their phone conversations about the crime over a six-week period in late 2008. In over three hours of recordings, Rekka gave new details about the hijacking that the public had not yet heard. Lauren concluded that D.B. Cooper landed near uh, Clay Alum, Washington, according, and according to a written testimony, Jeff uh, Oshaditz, a native of Clay Alum, uh, he was driving his dump truck the night of November 24th, this Jeff Oshaditz, um, when he saw a man walking down the side of the road in a storm. He assumed the man's car had broken down and could not, um, but could not pick him up. He because of he didn't have enough room in, in the dump truck, and also because his job wouldn't allow him to do that. He entered a cafe. This Jeff guy entered a cafe um, up the road, and later the man entered as well. He approached Jeff and asked him if he'd be able to give his friend directions if he called him on the phone. Jeff did so, and the amicably parted. Lauren began to search for Jeff. He went uh, off a landscape that Rekka had seen on the way uh, to his drop zone. He described it as two bridges with some distinct lights. He even gave a description of the inside and outside of the cafe and his encounter with Jeff Oshaditz, going so far as to describe Jeff in detail. 
Lauren began making calls and soon reached Jeff, who recalled the encounter and described what he looked like. Evidently, the night that he jumped out of the airplane, uh, I saw him standing on the side of the road. I was going out to play music for a Grange function, which is like uh, out at the Grange Hall. You know, the farmers all have this association called the Grange. And I was out there to play a function for them, play guitar for him. And I saw this man standing on the side of the road, but I couldn't pick him up. I was in a dump truck and I didn't have a seat on the passenger side and the boss wouldn't let me pick up hitchhikers. So I drove on out <clears throat> to this little, uh, it's called a Tianaway Junction. It's what it is. It's a little mama pop type restaurant with uh, some gas pumps. And it's the intersection between 97 and Highway 10. And I'm sitting there drinking coffee and this man walks in. He's soaking wet, got black slick back hair, a black suit, white shirt, no tie, black pants. You know, I mean, just a whole suit, black penny loafers. And he comes up to me and he says, kid, he says, where am I? I said, well, you're about four miles east of Cleelum. He said, if I make a phone call, he says, could you give this friend of mine directions how to get here to pick me up? I said, sure, no problem. So he went over, he dialed a number, handed me the phone. I'd asked his friend, I said, you coming up over Snoqualmie Pass? You're going to be coming up over Blewett? You know, I need to know which way you're coming. He told me which way he's going to come, and I said, okay, you'll be here in about an hour and a half, as your friend will be here waiting for you. So I handed him back the phone, I went back to the counter drinking my coffee, and then he came over and sat down alongside of me, and he says, well, thanks for your help, kid. I said, your friend will be here about an, about an hour and a half. I says, I've got to go play country music out of here at a Grange function. And he said, well, don't worry about your coffee, kid. He says, I'll take care of it. Shook hands with the man. I got out and got in the truck, and I left. Rekka confirmed his identity for sure after Lauren, or after Lauren showed him a photo. Excuse me. Rekka confirmed his identity for sure after... You're distracting me. <laughs> Rekka confirmed his identity for sure after Lauren... Amir was, uh, was jamming. Rekka confirmed his identity for sure after Lauren showed him a photo of Jeff that he had sent. In addition to the taped confession, Lauren also has a confession written by Rekka. Why is a clip saying my name Jeff? Did you read my thing? Because <laughs> I always make my clips funny names. <laughs> my name Jeff. <laughs> Lauren also has a confession written by Rekka and long underwear allegedly worn by Rekka during his suit during the hijacking. In 2016, Lauren took the information to Principal Media, who consulted with Joe uh, Koenig about a forensic linguist. Or excuse me, if he was a forensic linguist. This music sounds like someone's taking his shit. <laughs> <laughs> Only you can hear it. The mics definitely can't. Uh, Koenig uh, evaluated all the documents, passports, IDs, pictures, and news clippings, finding no evidence of tampering or manipulation and deemed all documentation authentic and contemporaneous. After comparing Lauren's research to the available FBI uh, records, he found no discrepancies that eliminated Rekka as a suspect. It's also significant that Rekka's and Oshadid's statements are identical. In a press conference on May 17, 2018, Koenig made a public statement that he believed Walter Rekka was D.B. Cooper. In January of 2019, he published a book on the topic, and also in January 2019, he, there's a documentary released by Principal Media. Fuck. 
I, okay, I like that. I mean, I can see it. So allegedly, there's hours and hours of him detailing what happened. But I, can, I, I can have, could not find those tapes he online, and I didn't want to pay. He does not for that documentary. I feel that he does not match the description. I can say that off of looking at him, but I could also see that. You know. Maybe he gained a little bit of weight, grew a mustache. That's true. He could have been like, you know what I mean? No, I did this jump. I'm fine. Yeah, I can see it. Fifteen. I give him a four. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, what do you think about Will Smith? No. You don't think so? I can You're see. You're gonna let it. down DW. I can see with Willard. I mean, with Will. I give. I could give him a four too. I could also see that he. Those two are the most likely. Yeah, they both. Like he fits the like the look, but this guy, I can also see because he can you know, but he could have also just you know, made it up. Yeah. Aftermath. Okay. So there's a little bit here about aftermath of what D, the DB Cooper hijacking caused. Mm-hmm. Fifteen similar hijackings occurred in 1972, and not one was successful. Cooper's successful hijacking and copycat criminals marked the decline of unscrutinized air travel. In 1972. The FAA began to require that all Boeing 727s be fitted with a device known as the Cooper Vane that prevented the lowering of the aft air stair during the flight. The installation of peepholes was also mandated on all cockpit doors. Wait, peepholes? What do you mean by that? So they can look through and see what he's doing. Oh, okay. They're looking through like, whoa, what's going that's on all in I, That's all I got on Mr. Dan Cooper. That's all I got on Daniel. Daniel. Or Daniel Boone Cooper. If, you, if I don't like you, call me Dan. The bitches call me Daniel. You know? Old, you know? Old dick in a butt Cooper. Why do you say that? Because <laughs> who he is, man. That's what the DB stands for. I think it's Daniel Boone. I'm no. going to stick with that. No. More mature. I'll be the mature one. You never are. Yikes. <laughs> great. Yikes. No, um, I personally think that, in conclusion, I think he's still... He's dead. He's probably. He'd oh, be yeah, very old now, if he yeah, was alive. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, no, he's dead, dead. But. Senile, maybe if he's even alive. I think he did survive. Do you think that the FBI. Knows. Who knew who it was, but didn't have enough evidence to prosecute, and they so they didn't ever comment on it because that would be embarrassment? I think. Yes. Yeah? I think the FBI, because this was such a giant thing. I feel like it's one of those ones where you know who it was, but like you don't have the shit to say you know who it was. Kind of like with, I don't know, I was listening to Tupac before this, but like Tupac died, right? Everyone knows who did it, but like you don't have the evidence to say he did it, you know? And like, I feel like the Dan Cooper thing was like, he was so, like they just, they would, I don't know. I think it's so interesting how they made sure they caught everyone after, though, who attempted to copycat, you know? Like, they were like, this will never happen again. Yeah. Which does, you want to know what does fascinate me, though? You would think they would have gotten stricter on their, like, on the, like, like how, how strict it is now going into the airport. You would have thought that this would have caused it. And not 9-11 later on. What's crazy is that... Because someone snuck a bomb on the The plane. one guy almost pulled it off, except that he left his note yeah. on board, which is something that Cooper took with him. Remember the handwritten note yeah. he gave about the bomb? He took that back specifically yeah. so they couldn't trace him. Yeah. And well, also he left fingerprints and stuff. But like I was saying, you would think this would have been the situation that would have made airports get more 
specific because, like I said, that guy snuck a whole bomb on a plane, allegedly. Maybe a bike. You know, yeah, a whole bike on the plane. <laughs> so it's like you would have thought this would have been the one where they're like, you know what? Nope. Now 15 more over the next year. It wasn't even like yeah, extended time. Exactly. 1972, 15 more hijackers. Yeah. I don't know. America's really weird. That you can say that again. Very weird. I will say it again. America's really weird. But yeah, DB Cooper, I think, will remain as an unsolved thing until one day where they just drop everything that they have about it. And then, you know, somebody on the internet will go combing through hours and hours and hours of research and be like, that's who it was. All right. Do you have any final comments about Mr. Dan? Cooper. I just gave you my final comment. I know. I just wanted. I didn't want to cut it off and leave you hanging. Well, there it is. I'll if you, you listeners, oh, yeah, have any final comments, who you, who do you think it is out of all the suspects we mentioned? Who do you think is the most interesting um, suspect? You can tweet at us at Tommy Muir. Yep, I forgot what it was for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, it's literally our two names. T O M A N D E M I R. You can do that. You can also comment on our Instagram photos. Give us a follow there. We have an Instagram as well. At what? What is it called? It's Tom and Amir. Yep. The same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so give us a follow both uh, both those places, Twitter and Instagram. Um, let us know what you're thinking about the stuff. Uh, stay tuned. Join the club. Yeah. As they say. Yeah. Like I said, next week. We're deep diving into, it's not a deep dive, but we're talking about blues singer Robert Johnson. We're going to talk about. Fuck, there he is. Fuck, it's Dan. (laughs) (laughs) You sons of bitches. (laughs) Guys think you can do a whole show about me and I wouldn't find out. Hop on the mic here, Dan. That's not even on. (laughs) You got to get that. Dan, calm down. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You guys think that I... Well, hold on. Don't get nervous. I don't want you to get nervous. Amir, Tom. can you come back here for a second? Get, Why are you leaving? Whoa, Why are you leaving whoa, me here? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, get in here. What are you... Hey, hey. What you don't get nervous. I'm not nervous, Dan. I'm not. All right, sit down. Let me talk to all of you in here real quick. I'm going to give you a note. It's going to say fuck you on it because the fact that you sons of bitches think that you could do a whole show without Dan. No, you don't. You you know what? You sons of bitches just call me D. You don't even deserve it. <laughs> don't even you deserve don't, even, the rest you of don't even deserve the rest of my name. You just call me D. You thought you could talk about Big D Cooper? Hmm? <laughs> Is that what you think? What's the so who calls you Big D? You do, you <laughs> son of a bitch. It's Big D to you. I'm sorry. All the females can call me Daniel. Can you explain how you got away for so long? Let me how tell you. How the FBI never caught you? Let me tell you. Let me tell you something one more time. <laughs> when I jumped off that plane, I ran to Miss Schaffer and Tina. Both of them. We got in the car. I was unconscious for a few days. I woke up on a beach. And they, they got me out of the room. And we immediately went to Mexico. Well, first we went to uh, Canada for some Timmy hoes. But then after Canada, we went to Mexico. And it was a long trip. Trust me. I had to put a wig on for most of it. So I get to Mexico. And that's where I was living for the longest time. Now, the FBI at one point thought they had me. And they were close. They were really close. They almost caught me going into Mexico. But luckily, I put on a female voice and I got in. How did you bribe the Mexican officials to not rat you out for using the ransom money? 
It's pretty easy. You just give them a slice? Yeah, just give them a little, you know, you know, gave them a quick 5,000. They were fine. Will you agree that you are as James Bond-esque as it has been claimed? Yes. Was there a connection between you and Florence Schaffner? Yes. That's well, actually, we have her here right now. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is a setup. God, all those back, all those years in back child support's catching up to me. Oh, shit. Oh. We actually knew you were coming. You can't outsmart us. Oh, shit. <laughs> if only they had you guys in the 70s. <laughs> well, you could have got all that DNA I left in there. Oh, God. You know? On the cigarettes, the cups, the bathroom, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're that far up before you jump out of the plane, you need some relief <laughs> and then you jump. All right. And all you copycats, fuck you. No one's better than Dan. I'm sorry for you fucks. It's D. No <laughs> one's better than D. It'll never be. So let it go. B. <laughs> all right. Th- Dick and a Buck Cooper Thank out. You. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dee, for uh, coming on the show. I want to thank our uh, listeners for listening to this episode. Might have been a hard one there at the end. Um, and if you enjoy the show, make sure you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Um, unless it's a one-star review, then fuck you. No, no. <laughs> I don't like that, No. <laughs> One-stars are fine. If you want to if you want to take time fine. out of your day to write a one-star review. Just let us know why. Just, yeah, leave a review at least, because I want to see the review, because I'm just going to read it. We'll read it live on the show. Live, I won't. And I'll cry, probably. Yeah. Send us your thoughts in, and we'll do a live, this is everyone's ideas episode or something. I don't know. We should read some reviews. We got seven of them. Yeah, we'll read some reviews live on the show, or just, you know, send us shit, and we'll read it on the show. All right. Once again, thank you guys for listening. Do you have something else you want to say? Oh, yeah. Uh, like like I said, like Dan says, like, you know, Grant in his loser jacket says all the time. Uh, wow. That was food.